Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? We're about to get started, but uh, real quick, I want to remind you, today kicks off. Actually, today and tomorrow, some people are uh, beginning their fast today. Some people are beginning their fast tomorrow, but today begins our seven-day church-wide fast. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here later on. But uh, it doesn't matter at, you know, at what level that you decide to fast, whether it's food, whether it's certain types of foods or whatever. But make sure that you really take part in this church-wide fast because I believe that God is going to do something through, through your life. And we don't do this just because it's something for, we don't do this just, just because it's something for our church to do. We do this because, <laughs> we do this because, um, um, why do we do this? <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we do this because it, it breaks strongholds in our lives. So I'm going to just go ahead and. Anyway, make sure you make sure that you uh, make sure that you enjoy. Uh, make sure that you uh, take part in the fast. Okay, let's go. Sorry, guys. Um, well, let's just get started with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us, Lord, here. I pray that you will have your way in the lives of people, that you will minister, Lord, that, that whatever needs to be done in the lives of people, I pray, God, that you will meet us wherever we are and confront us in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it, Father. And everybody said amen. Now, we're talking about taking ground in our lives today. Um, we've been talking about the story of Joshua and the people of Israel, how they were on the brink of inheriting the promised land. That, that God was doing some incredible things in their lives. And, and as they were looking at the Jordan River, just past the Jordan River, well, that was Canaan. That was the promised land. To step on the land of Canaan as they crossed the Jordan River, that was, a, that was taking a step in their destiny. And imagine, if you will, that moment that, that as they step over in Canaan, they're, they're, they are actually witnessing and taking part and a 700-year prophetic promise from God that one of these days you're going to get this, you're going to get your own land, you're going to get your own country, the land of Canaan. And they're all taking part in this moment. So Joshua, if you'll fast forward all the way to Joshua, the 24th chapter, after they have of, you know, because Canaan, the thing with Canaan is it had to be conquered. As soon as they took a step over in Canaan, well, there's the walls of Jericho. And they went on about a seven-year war of conquering Canaan. Well, after seven years, Joshua approaches all the leaders, and he tells them these things. And, and this is Joshua, the 24th chapter, and the 14th verse. Th these are the words of Joshua to the people once that they had conquered the land of Canaan. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers that they worship beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether it's the gods of your forefathers that they serve beyond the river. Or the gods of the Amorites and the land that you dwell right now. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. On the verge of taking ground in their lives, Joshua issued a degree and actually a challenge. He said, in order to take this land, in order to take ground at this moment in your life, you're going to have to forget about the gods of your fathers. There are some things in your past 
that you're going to have to let go of. That's what he was saying. Now, we've discussed this. I want to re review very quickly some of the things that we've said over the last few weeks. Taking ground in your life, it's going to take a new mindset. You're going to have to think differently about your New Year's resolutions. You're going to have to think differently about your life. The same thing happened to the Israelites. They were 400 years enslaved. They had to think differently. They, were, they had a slave mentality, and they had to move beyond that into a victory type of mentality. It takes a renewed mind. The second thing that we talked about was there is a process to what God wants to, or you have to get through some things in order to get to some things with God, and that is the process. And last week I began, about, I began talking about how taking ground in your life also takes letting go. And as far as letting go, you have to let go because God needs you to forget some things. In other words, we talked about the power of forgetting last week. There are some things that we have to leave behind us. There are some things that we got to walk away from, and that's what Joshua is saying. I want you to walk away from the gods of your fathers. I want you to walk away from your, from your past life. Well, today, I want to continue with letting go. Now, if you're going to take ground in your life, you're going to have to learn to let go. You're going to have to let go because of, you're going to have to let go because you need to forget some things. Well, today I want to continue. I want to say you have to let go because you need to focus on your future. Let go because God needs you to focus on, on where he's taking you, on right now and where he's taking you in your life. In Philippians 3 and 12, it says, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Look at your neighbor and say, press on. He says, and I make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting. That's what we did last week, forgetting. I choose to forget. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help for me to remember those things. Forgetting those things that are behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He says it again. Say it with me. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I believe what the Apostle Paul was doing here is he was referencing, I believe it, as he was writing this scripture, he was referencing some of the things and thinking about some things that had happened in his life. If you know his backstory, he was, he was the Apostle Paul, but before that he was Saul of Tarsus. And he was a Pharisee, and God had, had or he, would, he had gained some insight as being a Pharisee. He understood the, the law of God. He understood the, the Bible or the Old Testament. He, had, he was well-schooled and well-versed in the first five books of the Bible and the law of the, the Jews or the Hebrews. And when Christ came along, he thought that that was heresy, so he was using all of his skills, all of his influence to kill Christians. And he was there for the first martyr of the New Testament, and that was Stephen. He was there, the Bible says it, that he held the coats of people as they killed Stephen. And I believe that that was one of the things that the Apostle Paul was thinking about here. He was thinking about that. Then he was probably thinking about some other things that he regretted in his life. And he's saying that, I'm not where I want to be. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to own this because God has owned my life. I'm going to own this. This thing I've decided to do, I've decided, first of all, to forget what lies behind me. I forget, I, I, I'm choosing to forget about those things. And then he says, I am going to press towards. In other words, I'm going to bring to focus the future of what God has for my life. I'm going to press. I'm going to, I'm going to strain, one, the rest of this verse says. 
I'm going to eliminate some other areas in my life, and I'm going to intensify my walk with God on gaining what God has for my life. If you believe that, say amen. You see, what happens a lot of times, I believe that he was also saying this, that I'm going to eliminate the distractions in my life by, by pressing forward and grabbing a hold of, of what God has for me and letting go of the things that are behind. What he's saying is that, 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 that I'm going to eliminate some distractions. You see, in order to take some ground in your life, you're going to have to eliminate some of the things that, that, have, that, that, have you, that you carry. You're going to have to eliminate some of the things. You see, that's what the enemy tries to do in your life. He can't destroy you because you've given your life to Christ. He can't, he can't destroy your life because you are a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God. You belong to Christ, and he can't destroy you. But you know what he can do? He can distract you. He can't ruin your life, but he can distract you by messing with you. So with the rest of my time, I want to talk to you. Letting go means that we've got to focus on some things that God has for us. I want to talk to you about two things, two tools that the enemy uses to distract God's people. Two tools that the enemy uses to distract God's people and how we can overcome them. The first one is sin, or specifically a sinful lifestyle. He will use sin. Now, before Israel would cross the Jordan River, before Joshua was even the leader of the Israelites, God prompted Moses to go down and talk to the leaders of the Israelites, and he was what he was doing is he was offering them a challenge. He was referencing ways of life. He was talking about the land that they had come out of, and he was also talking about where they were going. And he was referencing their lifestyle, and he was issuing them a challenge that God is going to do some incredible things in your life. You're going to experience brand new life in the land of promise, but you have got to eliminate the sin in your life, and you've also got to, you've also got to not be imitating and not be affected by the lives or the lifestyle of others. Listen to what he says. This is the book of Leviticus, the 18th chapter in the first verse. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. So do not act like the people in Egypt where you, where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. What is he talking about? He was talking about their sinful lifestyle. You must obey my regulations and be careful to obey my degrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my degrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. Now, the rest of the book of Leviticus, or the rest of this chapter, talks about the lifestyle of the Canaanites and also the lifestyle of the Egyptians. Now, if you want to really understand what God thinks about sin, read the Old Testament and read the book of Leviticus. Read, this is God's law. Now, we, we live according to the new covenant, which means that the things that they died for, the, the death sentences and all the sins that, I, that you can read about, they died for those things. We live under a new covenant. We, we don't have to die for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. But there are the sins that we talk about, those sins are still sins. For example, he tells people in, in, in the next few verses, he says, I don't want you, I don't want you, uh, I don't want you committing adultery. Has that changed? I mean, is that still a sin? That's still a sin. But in those days, you died for it. Well, now you don't die for it, but it's still a sin. Are, are you with me? Okay, so, but for the next 
few verses, and I just read this all the way down to the fourth verse. He says, I don't want you to practice the lifestyle of the Egyptians, and I don't want you to practice the sinful lifestyle of the Canaanites. For the next 20 verses, he gives a list of all of those sins. And I was going to just kind of read him quickly because I wanted you to understand some things about the Canaanites, but it's too graphic. It's rated R. So I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to do something. Go home and read the book of Leviticus the 18th chapter, because it names the sins, and it talks about the reasons why the Canaanites were destroyed. The other thing I want to tell you is a lot of times people will read the Old Testament, and they say, well, I don't understand how we can serve a God like that, because the instruction of the Israelites was, I want you to go into the land of Canaan, and I want you to destroy everybody. I want you to destroy everybody, man, woman, boy, and girl, and that seems very, very harsh, and there are still some things about that that I I don't understand. There are some things about that that I, I believe that I can explain, but it's more of my opinion, so I don't really want to talk about it, you know, on a church service. But here's what I want you to understand. First of all, the Bible and the history of the Bible was written from a perspective of a Hebrew nation. It's a story of God's people, how God used a race of people, and he, used, he started with Abraham. He used those people to show the rest of the world how to live. For example, if you go back to, if you go back to uh, uh, the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham, that God, that God was blessing Abraham and God was going to use him to, that a nation would come to him. And Abraham was, was, was one time at his house and all of a sudden two angels walked up and, 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 and Abraham had this conversation with him. But right in the middle of all that, there were cities that were very vile, and very evil. There were two cities that God was dealing with. What were the names of those two cities? What were they? Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we, we're, we're listening. We're, as we're reading this story, we're reading this story about Abraham. But right in the middle of that, there's a whole other world that God is judging. There's a whole other world that God is dealing with. We're just hearing about the story of, of, of Abraham. Abraham, God is going to bless you. You're going to have a son. Your seed is going to be more fruitful and, and more sand of the seed. There's, there's going to be millions of people that are going to come from you. And Abraham's like, where are you going, by the way? Well, we're going down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Why are you going there? Because the evilness and the vileness of that city has cried up to God. We're going to destroy that city. Are you with me? Now, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Because the Bible says that Canaan was like this. A lot of people, when they, when a, lot of, a lot of times we say, well, what's going on with Canaan? It, you know, Canaan had to be conquered. This land of Canaan was inherited by God's people. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Nobody told the Canaanites that. So 30, 31 kings and, nation, and a nation of people had to, like, get out of Dodge. Why is that? Because God was dealing with Canaan. It was a prophetic promise 700 years earlier. But here's the deal. Canaan was delved in sin, and I can't name them, but it was everything from incest. It was everything from, they were killing their kids. They were sacrificing their kids to a god called Molech. they They were killing kids, and there was sexual immorality. Let that sink in for a second, because that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's why God destroyed Canaan. God used the Israelites to execute his judgment on Canaan because of sinful lifestyle so deep and so bad that the cry of that nation rose up to God. Are you with me? Now, here's the point of all that. First of all, is to give you a background of how God uses his people to execute what he wants to do and, and to influence the world and show people how to live. But the second thing is, is that's what takes 
a people down is sin. Now, I'm not talking about a sin of weakness. The Bible says that we all sin. We all have sin. If you don't think that you sin, think about the, the, the thing of sin of omission, that, that to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is a sin. What? what that, wrap your mind around that. That we're sinning more than we think that we are. That we need to ask God for forgiveness and, and so forth. But I'm not talking about sins of weakness. I'm talking about a, a sinful lifestyle where you know that you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyway. You rebel against God. When you do that, sin begins to happen in our lives. You see, sin, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take your focus off God. He wants to take your focus off what God has for your future. And he wants to distract you with a sinful lifestyle. That's kind of the point of sin. He can't destroy you, but he can get you to sin. And if he can get you to sin, he'll distract you. So what he wants to do is he's not going to walk into your life and he said, hey, let me just destroy your life with sin. Let's just get you in a deep, dark pit of sin. He's not going to do that. He's just going to get a little bit of a foothold. He's just going to get a little, little, bit of, little bit of foothold on your life. And if he can get a foothold, pretty soon, pretty soon he'll have a stronghold. And then it turns into a lifestyle of sin, and it won't stop. You see, sin is not just something that, that just li lies dormant in your life. It is a beast with an insatiable appetite that it, it takes more, up more ground every single day, every single year of your life. It started right here, but as you sow into that, it continues and continues and continues until one day you look up and think, what in the world happened? How did I get here? But the enemy always had a plan to distract us with sin. He uses sin and temptation as a distraction. That's why Hebrews, the 12th chapter, in the first verse says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and what? Since there's so much at stake, since there's people that have gone before us that that have died in Christ, since there's people around us at church, since there's, since there's the body of Christ, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witness, let us lay aside the weight and the sin. There is a lot at stake here, he's saying. Let us lay aside the sin that clings so easily to us. One translation says, let us lay, away, let us lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us or traps us and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. So let me tell you quickly how to eliminate the distraction of sin in your life. And there's a lot of things, there's a lot of different ways to eliminate sin in your life. But I want to talk to you real quickly about two things, two of the most effective ways to eliminate sin in your life. Very, very simple. I know that there's many, and I don't have time to go into that in the future. I'm going to, I'm going to preach a message series called The Struggle is Real. And I'm going to talk just about sin. I don't have time to go into all the ways that you can... Eliminate sin. I just want to talk about two very, very first step ways to eliminate sin in your life. Are you ready for this? This is this is a this is a tough one, but it's 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 a very strong. I mean, this is a hard one. This is one of the hardest things for people to do, but it's one, it is one of the most effective ways to eliminate sin in your life. Are you ready for this? Look at your neighbor and say, "Are you ready for this?" Because it's big. It's big, and I don't know if you can do it. But here it is. Show up for church. <laughs> I know that that sounds simple, but that is a huge thing I found out. If, if I can just get people to show up 
I mean, I mean, I'm all about life change, and I'm about reading the Word, and yeah, you got to read the Word, and yeah, you got to pray, and I'm not talking about don't do the other things, but I'm talking about if you said, Travis, and you just nailed me down to one thing, Travis, just one thing to get me, because the devil's destroying my life, and he's trying to kill me. I, I feel like I'm losing it. I'm on the edge. I'm just barely hanging on the cliff, and, and somebody's tied rocks to both of my legs. I'm, I'm falling. So what do I do? I, I would tell you. I would say, listen, just show up for church. Why? Because I believe and I experience some really powerful things here that, that God moves in mighty ways. I've had people come up to me and say, man, you have no idea how impactful that message. It felt like you, you read my mail today. And I'm like, I actually did. I was at your house and I tell them their address. I used to be a UPS guy, so I don't think, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't read people's mail. But that's no coincidence because it just so happens that I've been praying for you every week. I've been praying every day as I'm praying my, on my, Lord, I pray, God, that you will, you will minister to people today. And, and God, will you, will you speak through me that, that you will give me words to say? Because there are people there that, that need to experience you. There are people there that are delved in sin. There are people that, that need life change. So speak to me. Because I don't want to get up there and just tell jokes. I don't want to just get up there and have a good time. I don't want to have some kind, of a, uh, some kind of a social gathering where we all have a good time and sing and everybody goes home and people are leaving and people are dying and go to hell. I want life change. So God, will you speak through me? And it just so happens that when you show up and you need to experience God, and even though, that, even though you've lived the, the way you shouldn't, let's just put it out there. You've lived like that devil all week, okay? Let's just put it like that, all right? I mean, you've lived in a way that you, you shouldn't have lived. And let's just say that, that you're so far away from praying. You're so far away from, from reading your Bible. But if you'll just show up, you'll be shocked at how much God loves you. You'll be shocked at how much God reaches out to you through the word. That you'll think, man, this message is just for me. Man, God is speaking right to me. That is not a coincidence. God is going to move greatly in your life if you will just show up. Now, every now and then on Sunday, I'll admit I blow it. Just like, just, that was my message for Sunday. (laughs) But God will move incredibly in your life if you just show up. And we don't want you to show up, just show up. We got other plans for you. We want you to get involved in ministry. But if I can just get you here, the Bible says that the word of God does not return void. In other words, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword when it is preached when it is read when it goes forth it impacts and sinks deep down into the lives of people and when and when that happens people walk out of here and they feel bad about themselves but it's not because it's not because we're bringing judgment it's because the holy spirit is convicting you about your lifestyle it's supposed to feel that way that you walk out of here and think man i gotta do better that's that's the holy spirit convicting you saying you're better than that You're better than that. You can do better than that. I have more for you than what you're doing. You're worth more. You're more valuable than what you think. And you're living a self-destructive lifestyle. So when you walk out of here, you think, I can do better. That's the Holy Spirit. And all you did was just show up. (laughs) The second way, if somebody said, hey, just give me, just give me one way, I'd first tell you to, just give me the way, one way to tell me how to eliminate distractions in my life. How would I do that? I would first say, show up for church. The second thing I would say, 
is get around godly people. You can't eliminate the sin in your life until you eliminate the people in your life who are helping you sin. Are you with me? What is the phrase? You can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. And I, I don't mean that is an insult. I mean that you are a product of the people that you run with. That if you're trying to move forward in God and you're trying to eliminate sin from your life, you better surround yourself with people that are, that are headed in the same direction. That's why we, we promote uh, connect groups because I want to put you in environments with people that are going through some of the same kinds of things, that, that, that people that aren't trying to live a life of sin, they're just trying, even if they're making mistakes, even if they're blowing it, even if they're having trouble in their marriage, I mean, I want to put you in environments where people are saying, okay, at least we're going we're gonna to get there together. Everybody take my hand. Everybody take my, we're going to get there together. Man, what we're doing is we're, is we're, is we're, is we're working a, a negative opposite effect on our lives when all we do is surround ourselves with people who are trying to, uh, to, to live a life of sin. And I'm not telling you to get rid of all your, your friends that don't believe in God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that you do life with. You need a group of people that you pray with. Because if you're living just around people that are pulling you in the wrong direction, you won't be able to live a life free from sin. I don't know about you, but I don't need any help sinning. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't need any help making bad decisions. I don't need anybody encouraging me. Hey, Travis, you need to be a low life. I can do that all by myself. I can do bad all by myself. I don't know about you. If you want to help me, walk with me in my relationship with God right? If you want to really help me, if you want to be my brother, show me how to be a better father. Show me how to be with me. In fact, do something more than that. Walk with me on my journey. Hey, man, if you want to help me, show me and help me in my quest to win souls for Jesus. The Bible says that two are better than one. God wants to surround you with people. If you want to eliminate sin in your life, the most powerful way, number one, show up for church. Number two, Get around people who are living for God because the enemy wants to lose or cause you to lose your focus and distract you from your focus on God. So you got to let go of some things. The second way that the enemy tries to distract us from our focus on our future, first is sin or a sinful lifestyle. The second one is guilt. Guilt. Now I had to think about this this week because actually it's almost like guilt is a product of sin, but it's all also, I believe, the enemy's plan. It's like the, it's like the, the point. It's like the point of getting you to sin. So, so you feel guilt. Last week I showed you an image. I call it the, the cycle of guilt. Now I was, last week, I, you know, I was looking at it and because it was more about regrets, but as I looked at it this week and looked at it, it's, it's, this, is about, this is regret. I'm sorry. This is guilt. Thank you. This is a cycle of guilt where you revisit the past. You rehearse it. You think about it. You relive it or you do it again and then you regret it. I mean, this is, you revisit, you rehearse it, you relive it, you regret it. This is what guilt does to you. 
until you, you, this is a, something that is a cycle that distracts you from everything that God has for you in your life. And then you go back to it and you sin again. Then you relive it and you regret it. You rehearse it. This, this just continues and continues until you don't even want to serve. I mean, you come to church on Sunday morning and the praise and worship is just like, I mean, we're killing it up here. I got a solo going on over there. I mean, it just, the house is shaking because of God's moving. But you come in here and all you can do is stand and stare because of the guilt you feel. Of the things that you've been through and the things that you feel like you've done. You're like, you know, trying to praise God. You know, we worship, we lift our hands and we praise God because it's a sign of surrender. But it's also, you know, it's kind of reaching up to God. It's, it's why we do it. It's why we teach it. It's, it's, there's something to this. But it. It, it affects you when you feel guilty. You don't, want, you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you should be doing this because, because you got an enemy in your head. You're like, I'm seeking the will of God. What was that song called, the, the Greater Measure? What was the chorus? We are what? We are fixed what? We are fixed on one thing. And what is the one thing? We are fixed on this one thing, your goodness and mercy. And you try to think about God, but the enemy's like, yeah, you're fixed on one thing. You're fixed on everything you did last week. Oh, Lord, we're seeking that greater measure. You need a greater, greater measure because all the stuff you were doing last week. You know, you feel guilty. The enemy wants to bring up the sin in your life so you will feel guilt, so you will feel unworthy to serve, so you feel unworthy to worship. God wants to inhabit the praises of his people. He wants you to worship. He wants us to celebrate as we come together. And, and as we lift up, God, incredible things happen. But if he can get you feeling bad about the, what has happened to you, if he can get you focused on guilt, you don't feel worthy, then when somebody says, hey, would you like to serve in ministry? Or would you like to do this? Or would you want to be a part of that? You, you feel inadequate. Or you, well, if they really knew about me, if they knew what I'd done, or if, 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 if they knew what, what I've suffered, or if they knew... The sin that I, they wouldn't want. So, you know what? I just don't want anything to do that. That is a plan of the enemy. He wants you to sin so he can get you to feel guilty, so he can get you to shy away and to be distracted from what God wants to do in your life. And God wants you to take ground. He wants you to move forward. He wants you, he wants you to connect with people that are walking in the same direction. But you can't do it and you don't feel like it if you feel guilt all the time. That's why in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul brought this up in a church. I don't know if you know, uh, the Corinthian church was a church right in the middle of a very pagan society. All kinds of things were happening in this Grecian city, and they, were having, they just planted this church in the middle of it, and they were in the middle of it, and they were bringing in people, and people were getting saved, and he would talk to them about their lifestyle, and he was like, hey, you know, God has made you somebody brand new. These are things you got to do. But every now and then, I believe that he had to deal with people and deal with guilt, and listen to what he says. What a powerful thing to say to people that, that experience guilt. He says, 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, from now on, I like that term, from now on. In other words, can't do anything about yesterday, can't do anything about last year. Can't do anything about what, what happened to you last year. Can't do anything about what you did. Can't, can't do anything about what trouble you've caused. Can't do anything about that, but from now on. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, from here on out. <laughs> from now on, 
Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, what's he saying? He's saying we don't even look at you the same. And then he goes on to explain, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, in other words, if you have given your life to Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Just for a second, go with me. I want you to think about those moments in your life that you blew it. I want you to think about the moments in your life where you didn't seize the moment. I want you to think about I want you to think about the guilt and the regret of the moments that you wish you could go back and you can, you can have a do-over. Does anybody have any moments in their lives back in time where you wish that you could go back and you could have a do-over? You would have a mulligan. You wish you could do that. I want you to think about the pain that you cause people in your life. Go ahead. Just think about that. Thank you, Travis. You're welcome. Think about, think about the pain. I want you to think about the people that you've hurt. Just for a second. I want you to think about the hurt that people have caused you. Just go ahead, think about it just for a second. We're going to get it all out there, deal with it just for a second. I want you to think about, I want you to think about the sin that you've done that you wish you'd never done. I want you to think about the memories that will never be made because of a decision that you have made in your life. I want you to think about the things, the stories that you'll never be able to tell that you wish that you were able to tell your kids. I want you to think about the stories that you're never going to tell your kids. Okay, think about all that. Travis, we want to thank you for the inspirational message today that you're giving us. Why are you even bringing that up, Travis? Why are you, you were, you were thinking that. Why are you bringing that up, Travis? Because I have something to say to you. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. None of that matters anymore. Whatever happened in your life, whatever you did, whatever your struggle was, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the day that you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says that you didn't get a revamp, you didn't get just a facelift, you got, you can, you got a brand new spirit. It's the symbol of baptism, it is, a, it is symbolic of what God did in your life, that you went down in the water and you were cleansed by the Holy Spirit in water. You, became, you were regenerated, you became a brand new person. So when the devil says, yeah, but you did this, you did this, and you say, who? And he says, you, and you said, I don't even know that person because that ain't even me because I am a brand new person in Christ. Amen? It doesn't matter anymore. Paul said, we no longer even look at you the same way. Whatever you did, whatever you've done, whatever mistakes, you are a brand new creation. You don't have to carry the weight and the guilt of sin. That's not even an issue anymore. God has something. I want to close with this. Your enemy wants to distract you from taking ground in your life. He can't destroy you. He can't keep you from doing it. But he can distract you by tempting you to sin. And when sin has done its work in your life, he wants, you to, he wants to get you to feel guilt. But that's not the plan that God has for you. And you don't have to walk in that. And we have been given this reassurance that we have been made new. Our sins are forgiven. The, the, the Bible refers to it as, uh, like this, as they are under the blood of Jesus. They have been covered because of his sacrifice. We have been made new. You can go forward without guilt and without sin. Amen? Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, I believe that you're speaking to people today wherever we are. And I pray, Lord, that you will do a work in the lives of every person wherever we are. That your will will be done. I know, Lord, there are people here today that are dealing with the past. There are people that are dealing with sin. There are people, Lord, that are dealing with guilt. Your spirit does not condemn. It convicts. So I pray, Lord, that we answer to that today, wherever we are in Jesus. As your heads are bowed, and we are doing, doing inventory on our lives, maybe you're here today and you belong to the Lord. He is Lord and Savior of your life. You can say, Travis, I am carrying some things that are distracting me. I'm carrying the weight of sin or I'm carrying the weight of guilt because of past or because of sin or because of victimization, whatever that is. I'm carrying that. You don't have to carry that anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. If that's you here today, say, it's not a matter of salvation. I belong to God, but there's some things in my life I need to let go of. I'd like to lead you in a prayer, and I believe that that would change your life. If you'll just pray with me, if you're sitting next to somebody that you love, I strongly recommend that you take that person by the hand. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you care enough about us not to leave us where we are, that you care enough about us to confront us about issues in our lives that need to be changed. So right now, we give this to you. And I pray, Father, that you will do a work in the lives of people. Lord, that we will let go of things, and especially the sin and the weight that so tries to distract us from taking ground. Whatever we've done, whatever we've done to others, Lord, the things that we can't do nothing about, it doesn't matter anymore. So I pray that we let go. And as we do, Lord, I pray that we move forward in, into a brand new life that you've given to us, a renewal that takes place from the heart and the mind, that affects the way we live. We receive this and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, if you believe this, say amen. If you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer as I always do. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and he is not Lord and Savior of your life, maybe you can say, Travis, I, I used to live for God, but I walked away from God. And today I want to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Or maybe you can say, Travis, I have never asked Jesus to be Savior of my life. I've never done that. And today, I feel like God is leading me to give my life to Christ. Wherever you are with your walk with God, if you feel like God is calling you home today, I would love to lead you in a prayer. In fact, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or single you out. I just want you to pray right where you're seated. I won't ask you to stand. I won't ask you to come down here. This is between you, me, and God. But if that's you, you can say, Travis, I want to make things right with God, and God is leading me to give my heart to him. Real quickly, just so I know I'm praying for people, just slip your hand up and slip it down so I know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say that? I see your hand back there. Anybody else? I saw your hand over here on the right. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. I see your hand up here over the, on the right. Anybody else before we pray? I just want to know I'm praying for people. See your hand over here in the middle. 
Okay, we're going to pray. And as we pray, let me say, I, I don't know if I saw everybody's hand, but more importantly, God saw your hand and God saw your heart. So as we pray, and even, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be part of this prayer and you, you want to give your life to Christ, just pray this prayer, repeat after us, and come home to God. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins as I confess them to you today. And wash me clean and whole. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, I make you Lord of my life. From this moment on, my life is committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.